Uh, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is terrific that you chose to tune in to us today. Um, one of the things we are beginning to talk about now, the discussion, is about reopening. And just that whole concept and thought of reopening again gets me excited. I miss you guys so much. It's been just way too long uh, that I haven't been able to see you. We haven't been able to see each other. So that will be a great, great, great thing. Hey, this coronavirus stay in place has certainly created a, a lot more opportunities for relationship challenges, hasn't it? Or even the flare-ups that can sometimes happen with close containment and, and being in close quarters. Have you noticed that? Not in my house, by the way. In your house, possibly, but not, not, not in my house. We're in closer contact with people for a longer period of time, and, and, and there are just kind of certain funny things that have, have, have popped up. I, I saw this the other day. My husband is for sale. And then there's this one. Day 35 of quarantine. Can you blink more quietly, please? And my favorite, day 40 of quarantine. My wife took up gardening, only she won't tell me what she's going to plant. Now, we've been saying all along that believers in Jesus actually were made for times like this. We were. God has given us a great capacity for patience and love and working through the testing and the trials and the challenges that, that come with this. God has given us the ability for Christ's followers to get through this and get through this well, especially dealing with people. Now, Jesus, of, of all, would be an expert on human relations. After all, he, he created us. The Bible would say that he knows what's in every heart, so he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in my heart as well. And, and, in, and in case you're, you're, you're new or joining us for the first time, we are actually looking at the words of Jesus, what Jesus said to us. And they are great. And, and, and then if you begin to dig a little bit below the surface, they begin to kind of mess with us. They mess with the way we might normally think. They mess with the way we might normally act. In fact, what we've been saying here is, if Jesus isn't messing up your life, you may not be doing Jesus right. You may be doing Jesus wrong. Today we're going to talk about human relations, or at least Jesus is going to talk about human relations and how we deal with people. Would you, would you take a second, and, and I'm just going to ask God to bless the next few moments. Would you pray with me, please? And so, Lord, right now, um, open up our, our hearts, our minds to what your word is to us today. And I, I, God, I, I do pray that um, what's said, what is heard, um, what goes on right now would make a difference in the way we, we treat others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus starts this way. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, a little bit of investigation is in order here because it reveals something that we, we tend to do. Jesus says, you have heard it said. And what's going on here is that there existed in Jesus' day a bunch of professional religious people whose sole job was to take the Bible and interpret it and tell people what it meant. Um, 
that would take a verse or a command out of the Bible, out of Scripture, and they would say, okay, this is what it means, and this is how it works, kind of like what I'm doing <laughs> even, right, even right now. But these guys were actually professional religious people, and their job was to protect the religion of the day. Now, there's a big difference between religion and a relationship with God, and we talk about that a lot here at Mariners. I, I, I don't like religion very much at all. In fact, it, it frustrates me and it bugs me. But we're all about a relationship with God and, and, and what that does in our hearts and in our lives, the reality of what God would want with us. A relationship with God sometimes can be um, almost interfered by the religiosity of, of, of the day. And Jesus is trying to bring us back now to what God really meant when you're in a right relationship with him and you'll have a right relationship with other people as well. And what these religious leaders did was, as oftentimes religious leaders can do, is they would interpret a verse so it suited them. People do that. And so they took this verse um, out of the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament that says, Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Great. A, a, a great verse. It's it's an awesome verse, and 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 I could say, okay, got, you know, God, I got that. But what the religious leaders would try and do is they would kind of work it to death. They would work and work to decipher what every single word would mean, and they would put out the big question: Well, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, who's my neighbor? And and what they would do is, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, I need to define my neighbor. And believe it or not, the religious leaders of the day, they would have symposiums upon who your neighbor was, and they'd have Zoom chats, and they would write articles and papers, and they would have debates upon who actually is, is, is your neighbor. Um, who is my neighbor, by the way? And is, is, is my neighbor the, the, the guy next door? Well, of, of, of course. How about the people across the street? Uh, I guess I, I guess so. How about the people across the street and three doors down that have a barking dog? I guess. I suppose they, they, they would be considered my neighbor. Well, how about the person who lives somewhere behind me and has wind chimes that keep me awake all night? I don't know them at all. In fact, I'm not even sure which house it is. I'm not sure they're really my neighbor. Do, do I got to love them? And you're thinking, that's getting pretty stupid. And you're right. It is stupid. But that's what they did. The religious people start figuring out who their neighbor was and, and, and including them in, in this circle of, of whom they, they would love. This person is in, this person's in, this person's out, this person's out, in, out, in, really out. And, and these people are all in. And the ones that are here are my neighbors. I will love them. Those that are out, well, 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 Forget them. And it gets weirder. Then they began to say, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, well, well, then God doesn't say that I have to love those that aren't my neighbor. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to even I need to even like those that are outside my neighborhood. In fact, if they're not my neighbor, not only do I not have to like them, it's sometimes okay to even hate them. Because the command doesn't say anything about that. And, and, and if I hate um, someone who's not my neighbor, then technically, you know, technically, I'm fulfilling what God has to say. 
And if God wants me to love you, 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 and you, and you, and, and God, then it must be okay to hate you, 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 and you, and I must be okay with God. I'm doing all right. Give yourself a high five, Paul, and, 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 and there you go. And we think, man, you know, those guys are nuts. But you have to understand, each one of us have a little bit of that in us. I couldn't sleep one night, and, and it was hot here in Half Moon Bay, which is really rare, and so our windows w- were open. And, and believe it or not, some neighbors' wind chimes were blowing in the wind, and it was keeping me awake. And at 3.30 in the morning, I was assuming all kinds of things on why can't my neighbor hear these wind chimes gonging off. And so my imagination began to move through it, and I thought, well, maybe he's a sound sleeper. I thought, no, that's, 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 that's way too nice. So I thought, well, maybe he's a toilet paper hoarder, and, and his room is just simply surrounded by toilet paper, and it's muffling the sound. But even that wasn't, isn't strong enough. I thought, well, maybe he's just drinking too much, and he's in a drunken stupor. And I began to mull in my mind all these things about this guy. I finally settled on, by the way, that he, he's running a meth lab at a chop shop in his garage, and that's why he can't hear the wind chimes. And with this kind of thinking, I choose who my neighbor is. I choose who I'm going to love. I get the choice on who I will show my love to. Jesus doesn't give us that luxury. He goes on to say, but I tell you. It's like, okay, here it comes. Brace yourself. He says, but I tell you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, have you ever seen a, a person do a, a, a double take? Uh, TV shows have them all the time. Movies have them all the time. A double take is when you kind of glance at something and, and, and you notice it, but it doesn't register until like maybe a half a second later, and then you look at it again, and it's kind of like a, you know, kind of that Kind of, a, kind of a thing. And I would think as the people were listening to Jesus, as Jesus was talking about this, they might do a double take. Like a, what? <laughs> what, what, did you just, what did you just say? I'm, I'm supposed to respond to people who are my enemies? How do I deal with people who hate me? Well, Jesus says there's, there's several ways. One is you love them. And you're saying, well, I, I saw that coming, and, and, and it's right there. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies. A to-do thing for, for you, maybe today, or, 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 or we'll just do it today. Make a list of, of all the people that actually um, that you don't like very much, that you might consider your enemies. Now, now, don't say you don't have any enemies. I've seen some of your Facebook posts on political figures, and some of you say a lot of nasty things about people that you don't agree with. And that list on list might be your, your political people that you don't like. It, it may be people at work. It might be people at school. It might be, be whatever. All of that list. And then right over that list, love them. Because that's what Jesus tells you to do. Now, now it gets a little bit worse 
here for us because the language of the Bible is a little bit more complex than our English language, and there are actually several words for love. Some of you, some of you know this, but for some of you, this is new. There, there's kind of like the friend zone stuff, you know, we're in the friend zone, we're really good buddies, you know, and all that, but we're not going to get beyond that. There's that kind of, of, of love. Um, there's also the, the concept or the term for brotherly love. But then there is another term for love, and, and this is the word in Greek that's agape, and, and you may have heard of agape love, and it has very little to do with emotions or feelings or, or, or warm fuzzies. It has everything to do with commitment to put the other person's best interests in front of your own. It's a proactive approach to them and to their best. I will look out for them. I will care for them. I'll protect them. I'll protect their reputation. That, that word for love that Jesus tells us to do towards our enemies is the same word that's in the book of the Bible called Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. And, and it is the love chapter, and it is the words I normally share when, I'm, when I've got a, um, a, 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 a bride and a groom up front, and they're making their vows to each other, and they'll say, please read, because this is the kind of love we want to have. Same type of love for bride and a groom. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's a do. This is what you do for your enemies. You be patient because love is patient and love is kind. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Now, this is how we respond to our enemies. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. This love never fails. Your love for them should never fail. And when you look at those words, that's, that's, that's how we love our enemies. This is how we love people we can't stand and that don't necessarily like us very much. Patience and kindness and no record of wrongs and believe all things. And then Jesus takes it a step further. He says, you're also supposed to pray for them. He says, I tell you, pray for those that persecute you. And now this is not just enemies, but these are people that are wrecking your life. I mean, really messing up your life that, 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 that would be really goofing you up. And, and Jesus says, what? He says, pray. It's like, okay, I'll pray. I'll pray they get lice, you know, or I'll pray their transmission falls out of, out, of, out of their car. But Jesus says, here's a clue on how to pray. And he's going to talk about what God does. He says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In those days, sun is good. In those days, rain is good. And God does not put a border on where the sun shines, it shines on those that are good and those that are bad. He does not put a border around where the rain falls. He lets rain fall on the good and, and on, the, on the bad. My yard does not get more rain than my neighbor's. It doesn't work that way. God is good to all. 
God blesses all. And if I'm to pray for another, it should be that their lives are blessed. That goodness comes their way. Sometimes I'll, I'll have people that will come in and, and, and they'll meet. They'll say, I'm really having trouble with people or with somebody. And, and, and we'll sit down and, and we'll talk. And, and they're having like a huge hurt towards somebody or, 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 or maybe somebody at work or in their home. Or it, it may be a, a spouse or an ex-spouse or an estranged parent. They may be struggling with their dad or their mom. And, 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 and people will say, well, where do I start? I mean, where do I start in kind of repairing this relationship? Or how do I even get through this thing? And, and, and a part of it is, and we have to touch on this one, part of it's grieving. We have to grieve sometimes the pain that's there and the experience of pain that we're going through with the brokenness of a relationship. And I, and I get that. And so we'll walk through that. Um, but then we go next to where Jesus wants us to go. We need to start where Jesus wants us to start. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I will say we, we have to start at this point now. We have to love them, and you have to pray for them. Can you pray for them? Um, do you know that you can't pray for a person and hate them at the same time? You know that? can't do it. You just can't. And I've tried. You can't. You cannot... You cannot pray for a person and hate them at the same time. It's like trying to watch a movie and, and listen to your wife at the same time. It can't be done. And I have the scars to prove it, okay? You just can't do it. You cannot pray for a person and hate them at the same time. Because once you go to God, I mean, once, once I go to God and, and I, I realize his love for me, a, a sinner, and I realize that Nothing this person has ever done to me has ever come close to what I've done to God in my life. And he loves me, and he forgives me, and he pours grace all over me. As I begin to get into the connection, the presence of God, I realize I, 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 can't, I can't hate him. I can't. I think we got to choose one, love or hate. And, and, and hate can just chew us up on the inside. And so pray. You pray for God's blessing on the person. You pray for what they're going through. You pray for your strength. And you, you pray for their strength. You pray for a great day for them. Understand your enemy needs more than anything else. Your prayer. Understand this too. You may be the only one in this world right now that's praying for them. So pray. And that leads to the next, and that would be be different. And I kind of, I thought I would think it's not normal to do that kind of stuff. Enemies, enemy, people that are bugged at me and persecuting me, I, I can leave them alone. It's not normal to do anything but that. Um, but who called us to be normal? Jesus certainly didn't. Jesus says this, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? 
Even pagans do that. Jesus is saying, heck, anybody can love those that are lovable. Anybody can love those that are nice and cuddly and warm and kind to us. Anyone can accept those that are acceptable. We are to be different, different. I mean, you just think, well, who does, who does this? Who does this kind of thing? Remember back, some of you can, October 2nd, 2006, typical fall day, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Pretty normal, pretty quiet, just a normal a normal fall day. And if you remember the date, you'll remember that the peace was shattered. Um, gunfire was heard inside a Amish one-room schoolhouse. And when police broke in, they found 10 Amish girls, ages 6 to 13, had been shot by Charles Carl Roberts, who had then turned the gun on himself and committed suicide. And, and obviously, word just spread like crazy all over the place. And News network sent reporters and photographers and video crews and the, the whole lot. They all they all came flooding in, into Lancaster County. And and um, um, now these are Amish again. They work really hard to avoid publicity. And and all of a sudden now, they have a worldwide audience. The spotlight was on them. Let me read this. It says the horror of this school shooting was a story the reporters came to tell about. However, in the hours and days following the shooting, a different and unexpected story developed. In the midst of their grief over this shocking loss, the Amish community didn't cast blame. They didn't point fingers. They didn't hold press conference with attorneys at their sides. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion toward the killer's family. The afternoon of the shooting, an Amish grandfather of one of the girls who was killed expressed forgiveness toward the killer, Charles Roberts. That same day, that same day, Amish neighbors visited the Roberts family to comfort them in their sorrow and pain. Later that week, the Roberts family was invited to the funeral of one of the Amish girls who had been killed. And Amish mourners outnumbered the non-Amish at Charles Roberts' funeral. The Amish almost immediately forgave him and showed compassion towards his family. Many reporters and interested followers of the story asked, how could they forgive such a terrible, unprovoked act of violence against innocent lives? It says the Amish culture closely follows the teachings of Jesus, who taught his followers to forgive one another, to place the needs of others before themselves, and to the rest and to rest in the knowledge that God is still in control and can bring good out of any situation. Who does that? Followers of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins because we were bad. That's who does this kind of thing. 
And I have seen in this church family people I will call heroes. Heroes. Who have loved their enemies, prayed for those that have been horrible to them. And because of that, have been at peace with themselves, with their lives, and have touched others. Once again, Jesus' words, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Who does that? You can. You can. I believe God is here and God is working in your life to bring you here today so you can let go of the hate that has imprisoned you for so long. And for some of you, the anger is still there over something that happened so long ago. If you could have solved it on your own, you would have by now. And so maybe you need the help that Jesus can give you. Maybe you're struggling with the anger of what others have done. Understand, being free from that is an incredible experience. And it can happen, and it can happen in you. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right where you are on your couch, chair, in your car, wherever you are at this point. Would you just simply pray with me? Maybe your words that you would say to God because he's listening to you and your heart. And maybe your heart is saying, I'm so tired of the hate that I have towards this person. I'm so tired that I feel trapped by this. And God, I, I can't create the love for that person. You have to give it to me. So please help me. Help me. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see them as needing love. Fill me with an overflow of love given by you so that I can love them. I forgive them. I want to look out for the best for them. So, Father God, <clears throat> work in our hearts. Make us the people you want us to be. For Jesus' sake, and we thank you in his name.